This is Ravel, a roundtable show about the complexity of faith in the age of information. My name's Josh. I'm Steven. And I'm Emily. We each grew up in different parts of American Christianity, and we still keep thinking about how to take it seriously, even as we leave some beliefs behind. We think theology should be an exploratory dialogue, so our hope is that the show will encourage growth, both for individuals and communities. We don't have all the answers, but we're here to sort out as much as we can over a drink or two. Join us as we ravel out our faith in a complex world, pulling on one thread at a time, seeking meaning at the end of it all. Thanks for listening. What y'all drinking this week? I was just going to ask you. I'm drinking, if anyone's known me long enough, <laughs> uh, within the last couple years, you probably know that this is one of, if not the most favorite of all of the teas that I drink. This is Attention Tamer Tea by Celestial Seasonings, and it's minty and chamomile oh. and catnippy, mm. and it's delicious. Wow. Catnippy. That's an adjective. Yeah. Well, there's catnip in it, so I feel pretty accurate using that adjective. Fair. That's, That's fair. This is, this is good. I it's like really it. delicious. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. What about you guys? I'm drinking your standard H2O. <laughs> Just a good, Keep good old easy. bottle of water. I'm coming back to a classic standard for me, a glass of 16-year-old Lagavulin Scotch whiskey mm. neat. Ooh. And uh, I'm drinking this this evening. In honor of my new podcast, The Whiskey Bench. Aww. Oh, congratulations. Quintessential yeah. Steven. At the time of recording this tonight, our trailer is live, and we're going to record our first episode this week, and we're going to hit the ground running oh, how with exciting. it. Sweet. With my friend Steven Torna and Kat Dwyer. I'm actually stoked for that. Oh, I'm so glad. Like, I, I'm not interested in political commentary usually, but just listening to the trailer, I'm like, I want to listen to this, and not just because it's Steven. <laughs> this sounds good. Oh. So I'm stoked to see what you guys come up with. And this is your third podcast. Yes. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Emily, in, in one of our episodes, you described Helium Hand. Like, yeah, I'll yeah. sign up for is something Is that you? New. Do you suffer from I'm, that? Mm, I'm, I'm learning that I do. Mm, yes. yes. <laughs> it can be hereditary, but it can also be contagious. So I'm sorry if... It's working. Yeah. Speaking of uh, signing up for things... Uh-oh. I, oh, yes. I didn't tell you guys this yet, but I didn't know if I was going to be able to make today because, uh, and this might be ironic because of the conversation we might have. I don't know where this is going to oh. go, but yesterday, um, my car broke down and not only was oh. I in a part of town that was very far from where I am, um, well, like 15 miles and I have AAA, like I can, I can figure things out. But yeah, but in Seattle, 15 miles is a long, right, it's yeah. a long way. So like I was dealing with that last night and I was like, oh, shoot, like I have to work tomorrow. Like and taking public transport is like not going to work. Like it's like for the shop I was working at today, like it was going to take way too long. So I was like, OK, like I'm going to have to Uber tomorrow. Oh, shoot. Like I have to Uber back to like get my podcast recorded. And then I was like, oh, no, like I have this big test at work on Monday. Like I, I was just like thinking about way too many things. And it was like way stressing me out like i had a dead car you guys like i was sitting in my car and it was dead like nothing was working that hurts and and i've i've seriously been looking forward to this conversation for like at least the last week i think yeah yeah and long story short when the tow truck driver got there um he tried to jump me and then he just like looked at the battery after he tried to jump me and nothing happened and he was like oh it's loose and I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, the battery's just not installed all the way. <laughs> oh. Whoever hooked it up, like, didn't do it right. Oh. Well, and he fixed scary. it. That was all that was wrong. That's it. Oh, my God. <laughs> <What? laughs> 
So uh, that felt pretty great. Oh, and I don't know what to say wow. about what was happening spiritually or not, but you guys, so... that was like a load off of my plate. So, well, yeah. Long story short, I'm glad I'm here. I made it. Well, so wowzers, uh, that makes me think about spiritual intervention. And one of the things, actually, a parishioner had brought this up to me. What was it? Probably a couple weeks now. Um, they're going to be starting a series on um, spiritual forces. And it's basically, mm. it's a book. Um, it's written like true crime and spiritual forces combined. So it's kind of oh. like the show. It's kind of like the show Lucifer. Um, and so when she brought this up, I was like, oh, have you ever seen the show Lucifer? And she's like, no, what's it about? And so I was telling her, oh, it's, you know, true crime, um, but it's involving angels and demons. And, you know, Lucifer is one of the main uh, members of the LAPD who helps solve <laughs> homicide murders. And it, uh, it, the lady then was like, oh, well, that must be a really good show, you know, because demons exist. And she just left it at that huh. and didn't say anything else. So it sparked oh. me to then ask, well, what about angels? And she goes, well, I mean, that's obvious, right? Like in a question form. Whoa. And so the fact that she didn't question the existence of demons, but was questioning the existence of angels was really interesting. And so I am posing a question to you tonight as okay. we are recording on this wonderful Sunday evening. I'm ready. What do you think? Do you think demons and angels exist or outside spiritual forces of any kind? And I'm going to leave it open-ended like that because I want to see how the conversation is steered. So there you go. I have, I actually have a very hard stance on the demon one. I don't have a hard stance on the angel one. Okay. Steven? Um, yeah, I'm going to leave it at that for now. Uh, wow, Josh, I, okay, so the way the question is framed, I have honestly never thought of angels and demons in separate categories. Mm, fair. I didn't know you could believe in one and not the other. I thought if you believe in the spiritual realm, oh, then okay, yeah. you, you get angels and demons both. Well, and a lot of people frame it that way, like, especially, like, scholars like Greg Boyd, like, they depict, like, the cosmic battles happening sure, and stuff like sure. that. So, I, I totally see what you're saying. Like, that makes sense. Okay. Okay. But- I, what do you think, Emily? Do you want to spoil anything or do you want us to like run with this? No, no, no. Keep, keep going with it. Keep going with it. Okay. So, well, I like that you brought up the point about spiritual forces because I completely believe in like the idea of spiritual forces. I just don't believe in demons at all. Okay. Would you like me to Are expound you, on that? Like not at all whatsoever? None. My first question is, are Satan and demons also separate categories? Like uh, Satan as well, a being. I guess you could you could do that if you wanted to. Is that what you were trying to go for? Let's say for the sake of this conversation, yes, separate the two. Okay. I personally do not think the Bible has evidence for us to believe in demons of any kind. <laughs> I think, personal opinion, that the Bible is depicting things as personifications, and I don't think that should lead us to believe that there are these personified spiritual beings out there causing chaos. Oh, okay. Mm. Okay. But I'm willing yeah. to admit that I, I don't want this to, this is a hard one to say. Like I've thought about this for years and I, I haven't really like espoused this opinion broadly. And here's why, because I don't feel evangelistic about this. I, like, I don't feel the need to convince other people of this opinion. 
because I think it's a secondary thing. And B, I don't think that anyone who believes in demons are stupid or unintelligent. Mm, mm-hmm. That's fair. Like, I, I really don't think that at all. Like, there's plenty of really smart scholarly people out there who completely believe in the concept of demons. Greg Boyd is a great example. And there's mm. many others. Sure. But um, I just don't. Okay. Wow. I, <laughs> Steven? I don't, know if, I don't know if I can be certain either way. I think I th- where I am right now is if they exist, I'm skeptical of their knowability and sure. uh, any, any potential interaction they might be able to precipitate in our lives. Sure. I think- sure. I think they're commonly painted as essentially just invisible humanoids that like with horns and claws and whatnot. Uh And they're invisible to us because they're in the spiritual realm. And, you know, you can talk about uh, like, I'm going to relate it back to D&D again, which, hey, real quick, we had a listener recommend to me a YouTube channel called the D&D. Was it the D&D pastor? No, I think it's the Um, RPG pastor. Yeah. RPG. Thank you. Yeah. I have been digging that YouTube channel so much. So I just want to say, whoever recommended this YouTube channel to me, my sincerest thank you. Shout out to Ross. I loved it. Thank you, Ross. Ross. My friend. DM me on Twitter. I want to say hi. I want to get to know you, Ross. Anyway. I didn't even think about this, Stephen. I'm glad you brought it back to D&D because like like you play (laughs) D&D a lot and you think you might believe in demons, but like I don't believe in demons. Yeah. Do you see any relationship there between... Like the influence oh. of demons in culture, because you're kind of questioning, like, if they exist, right. like, you're not sure what power do they have to affect reality if they exist in the spiritual realm. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I, so what I was trying to relate through D&D is there's a concept of, like, different uh, planes of reality, whether mm-hmm. that be, like, the Feywild, you know, like, the spiritual plane or the material plane. Mm. Um. So, like, that's that's how I've been classically taught to think of spiritual realm. It's like an overlay. It's like sure. another thing that's happening parallel to us, possibly in the same physical space, mm. but we're not we're not tuned into that frequency, or we don't have a sense to like open our eyes to mm-hmm. it. You know. Mm-hmm. So the reason I am just going to come down on a hard maybe with both <laughs> angels and demons, fair is. If the spiritual realm does exist, I've never had an experience of it, though I'm inclined to listen to the stories of people who have had experiences they can't explain, Mm -hmm. and I'm willing to at least meet them halfway, and we'll start with the assumption that what happened happened. Now, the cause could be wildly different, right? Mm -hmm. Right. No, I think that's a wise stance to take, honestly. Yeah. Well... (laughs) I'm I'm not so sure either because in the last few months I I think Josh I've had a couple moments where I I my brain kind of switches me into this area of theology and I'm like nope doesn't exist it's all mm-hmm. it's all personifications or thought forms mm-hmm. it's all just uh, a way for us to externalize and or psychologize our way our own neuroses or our right. own uh, illnesses or issues you know sure right. Ooh. Well, and it's even it's even easy to for me to think about like us starting this project and think about how multiple things have come up for each of us that have like kind of interfered with the project. Oh, say more. Mm. Like Stephen breaking your ankle, like uh my car, just like 
acting chaotic yesterday. Um, some things coming up in your church, Emily, like you having to attend to emergencies and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like affected our recording schedule. And like, there's still a piece of my mind that's like, ooh, like, is that happening greater than chance? Like, I know life just comes up, but like, hmm, that is suspicious. Yeah. But also, I still feel like or is it just, I'm a hard no on the demons. Yeah, because or or is it just your brain looking for patterns and, again, externalizing sure. uh, what you might interpret right. as barriers to creating a thing, like recording a podcast or recording an album or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, whenever we meet resistance, I think it's easy for us in our minds to say, well, something must be coming against me because... I don't know. It's work worth right. doing. So now we have to. We have well, to that's say why I like that Emily brought us. up the point about spiritual forces because I completely think the Bible is talking about spiritual forces interacting in our world. I we, just don't think okay. that they're persons. Okay. Oh, okay. like with personalities or names. Yeah. Or like, uh, honestly, even Christians like kind of use this language, like referring to something as the spirit of something. Like, for instance, like the religious spirit. I feel like a lot of Christians talk about that, but like, oh, uh, I would be willing to bet that when people use that language, nobody actually thinks or believes that there's a demon out there that is literally pulling the strings on religion. Sure. They're referring to like attitudes and mindset and like a collective behavior. Mm-hmm. And I think we can see that in other things that like aren't even religious. For instance, I thought about this example. So let me know what you think about this. I'm ready. Here in Seattle, there's like this spirit of technology. Mm. People talk about tech differently. They like refer to working for tech companies differently. Uh, There's just like this, there's this air, this attitude, this spirit of technology here that there is not other places. Maybe in like some other big hubs, like, Mm. I don't know, like Beijing or in Korea or maybe New York. Or even like the Bay Area. People talk about it differently here. Like, yeah, yeah. But like, People talk about it in a way here that they don't talk about it in Montana. And I see that as like Mm, a very mm -hmm. recognizable spirit. But what I don't think is that that spirit, quote unquote, of technology is like an existent personified being. But it very much exists. Interesting. But it exists like between the people, like kind of like what we were talking about a couple episodes ago about like the collective mindset, like it very much exists. Like, it's personified in the people who are talking and living about it. But I don't think that it's like a spiritual being that's mm. pulling the strings. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Okay. Yeah, okay. Emily, Emily, Josh and I have talked a lot, and I'm, I'm dying to know what you think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Please school us. So, take a deep breath. I do believe that angels and demons exist. However, mm. I'm in collaboration with josh in the sense of they are not beings but i i do think they can take form and i think Hmm. whether or not we want to acknowledge it i think we as humans can make them a little bit more tangible to this to the point where they are present through our actions through how we speak to one another that's what i think in regards to angels and demons so not in mm. the sense that they're physical beings, you know, roaming the world, trying to weave their way into people's lives and be kind of these little puppet masters. But I think there are things, whatever they are, that attach to the physical world 
and we live out those attitudes and those beliefs and those ways of being. And that is those forces at work. Does that make sense? I think I'm a step down from you still, Emily. Okay. Like I, I would, I think I would go as far as to say that I think they're completely abstract concepts. Like okay. when I think when Paul is talking about powers and principalities, he's talking about abstract concepts that exist between people and aren't any sort of existence unto themselves. So then, you know, and not to, not to argue. So then when we have the scripture where Jesus cast out the demons into the pigs. Right. To so, be honest. Uh, so elaborate on that in your opinion. I think that's the best case example for the Bible speaking to demons. Like if someone's going to believe in demons, I think that that's the best evidence for it in the Bible. Say more. Like I don't think they, sh- I don't think they should be talking about like any of these obscure references like where like in the book of Daniel where um, I think it's the angel Gabriel comes to him, but he says like, I was fighting with the Prince of Persia for like months and that's why I didn't come to you. People like, like to point to that one as, as uh, evidence for the existence of demons and like territorial beings or something. Mm-hmm. Have you heard people use right. that example? Mm-hmm. I don't think that's a great oh, example because like the book of Daniel is filled with like apocryphal imagery and it's, it's kind of hard to like decipher. Sure. I think Jesus casting out the demons is the best biblical evidence for it. Mm-hmm. So to answer your question, um, I think that's a difficult thing to answer, but I think my current way of looking at it goes back to Greg Boyd's idea of accommodation. Mm-hmm. And I actually, I don't know if anyone uses, frames it this way, because he definitely believes in like demons and angels and the cosmic sure struggle happening behind the scenes. Right. But I think of it as if God can accommodate our incorrect views of God, then, well, in a way that would therefore lead us to a greater understanding of God, then I also think it logically follows that God can accommodate other incorrect views of reality in a way that will like lead us closer to God. Mm. And if people have a concept of spiritual beings that have some sort of level of control on reality and i can completely get on board with that this is a secondary issue that is like not core to christianity Mm, mm -hmm. and so like if if it's not a core concept to christianity then like why wouldn't god accommodate an incorrect view of it so here's a here's a fun little tidbit um i'm ready referencing back to the passage of the demons entering the pigs and then falling over the cliff so I've actually mm-hmm. been to the supposed cliff where this takes place. Whoa, what? Um, yes. So wow. if you actually read in that chapter, it clearly tells you like geographically where the story takes place. Um, mm. And so it's rumored, you know, this supposed cliffside, whatever, still kind of neat. But when you look at the word, like the name that the demon introduces themselves as, the uh-huh. name is legion right is army Mm -hmm. okay yeah and so people think at first they're like oh demons like the demons are building an army no what they were actually referencing was the army of the romans like the Mm. roman armies taking legions like forming ranks and taking over and so when jesus was casting out the demons he was saying that he can cast out 
false power, false leadership, and that he is truly the Messiah, like that God's reign is the ultimate reign. And so when I think of demons, I was thinking of, oh, so, you know, these things, whether it's greed, you know, wrath, vengeance, whatever the case may be, those are demons. Those are things that can enter into our lives and separate us from God. And I think that's ultimately what a demon is, in my opinion. It's those things that can hinder us away from that full divine relationship. And I was really glad that my professor pointed it out. So that sounds like what Josh was describing. Right, but it's but it's something that can take form. It's through us it's taking form. It's how we okay. act. So yeah, so in eastern uh religion as far as I under- I f- I follow just a buck wild podcast called Mysterious Universe and they dig into all sorts of paranormal stuff like gray aliens and lizard people and just all sorts of paranormal conspiracy. Mm-hmm. It's so fun to listen to. And uh, they bring up quite often um, an Eastern idea about a what's called like a tulpa or a thought form. Mm. And what it is essentially is if if there's enough energy and enough worry and anxiety built around the hypothetical concept of a being that eventually the being actually exists given how much thought is put into it. It's like what you huh. focus on expands. Mm, interesting. So it's, it's interesting to me. So I'm listening to you guys talk about like biblical evidence for demons. And again, probably a couple weeks ago, I would have been just like, yeah, Josh and I are on the same page. They don't exist. They're not things. They don't have personalities, but like, I'm so I'm I'm in such a weird like squishy maybe on this because mm. Mm. well it's kind of like what I was saying in the apocalypse episode about the mark of the beast is the anxiety caused by worrying about what the mark of the beast is to me mm. it almost seems like the demon actually will exist if you allow it to exist in your mind even sure possibly as like a as a personality or like a bounded being in its own right i it's so okay so back to the biblical argument i wanted to before you go back to that fun fact sure sociology also has a similar concept to what you're talking about Stephen. it's called the thomas theorem you can google this and read about it in summary it basically states that things are true in their consequences if the consequences of something being real are true then therefore it's true and accurate okay so like i've never heard it applied to like like the existence of spiritual or religious things it's usually applied in like a social dynamic context like i can't think of an example off the top of my head but like if the consequences of something being true are happening then like therefore like that thing is true it's like reverse cause Mm. and effect basically sure so i just wanted to point out that like sociology has some grounding in that concept too it it almost feels like a like God of the gaps theory. It's like, if I don't have something to explain, it's similar, but I, I think it's still different because it's still using logic. Like it's still very logical. Sure. Okay. So I wanted to come back to the biblical idea of demons. And so I guess to preface the whole thing, I need to ask you guys, what do you make of the argument, um, for Jonah being mm. a real person, a real prophet, actually swallowed by a fish. I very often hear the argument that Jonah must be real because Jesus spoke of him as if he was real. 
Oh, I see. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay. Wait, I don't get how this is relevant to the demon discussion. Not gonna lie. Because it seems like Jesus talks about demons as if they're very real personal beings that he has to, that he's like, he's healing many people by casting out demons. And I think someone like Josh, like you could read that and say, okay, but it seems like he was curing bipolar disorder, you know, Mm -hmm. and maybe he was just fixing a mental illness and not casting out a demon. But the fact that Jesus actually refers to them as demons and also has quite a few passages like speaking to his disciples saying like the disciples try and go cast out demons and the demons just like kick their butts yeah. and run like send them running with their pants around their ankles and the de- and the disciples come back to Jesus and they're like we couldn't do it and Jesus was like these ones require prayer and fasting right. to get rid of the, is is if Jesus talks about them as if they were real should we put more weight on that yeah, Josh. Well, that's why I think that's the best evidence because Jesus does talk about them like they're real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, For the record, drawing this analogy back to Jonah, Yeah. I, I hear people who say Jonah must be real because Jesus spoke about him as if he was real. I don't, I don't buy that argument. For the record, I, don't, I think Jonah was a parable, like the entire book of Jonah was a parable as well. Sure. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't buy the argument. Which might be a whole other topic, but yeah. I was wondering how that factored into your guys' worldview well, of you could even bring that back to the parables dangerous. that Jesus talks about. Like sure. he talks about them as if they're real stories, but like that doesn't take away from the fact that they fall under the parable genre. Right. Yeah. Um, exactly. Exactly. Honestly, if I had to answer this like in a short way, I think that it's entirely possible that these radical changes can happen to us like almost instantaneously. In, in almost a miraculous way. Um, and I think that it can really, really seem like something has exited you spiritually. Mm-hmm. Mm, mm-hmm. Um, I, I would also like to say, take this time to say that I have not always been demon skeptical or not believed in demons. I have witnessed like what is popularly known as exorcisms. Most Christians refer to them really? as like healing and deliverance, but like I've, I've watched it happen. Like I've watched people like quote unquote cast out demons and like people go through like transformative experiences in the moment and like that they seem different before and after. Well, I'm really glad that you brought that mm. up because it may it makes me think about in pulp culture at least, like how popular you would think of like horror movies and how easy right. it is to have movies based on exorcisms or demons or possession or whatever the case may be. Why is there such a fascination if, if you know, there really is no evidence for them existing? Or is it because well, there is no hard evidence that it's so captivating to us because it's so unknown? I think it's because a lot of people are probably where Stephen's at, whether they're religious or not. They're like, ooh, maybe. Like, what if? And I think it's the unknown that's, like, spooky to us. Yeah. Yeah, I, I especially think that the uh, the psychological toll it would take... Uh, on you to lose control of your faculties mm-hmm. um like the idea of being possessed and not and a different voice coming out of your voice box and like supernatural and i've seen that happen ways. i've seen that one happen and that freaks me out i don't know Wait, what to what? think of that one actually so, i've seen it happen Josh, yeah. that's so it's so hard for me to hear you say i've seen it happen and still say that Oh, it's, it's <laughs> probably be psychologized away we we also know that like things can happen in our psyche that 
Like we can document in psychology, but like we also don't completely understand. So like schizophrenia. I'm not, what I'm right. not saying is that all demon possession is a dissociation, but like dissociative identity is a really interesting example. Like we can notice sort right. of when dissociation is happening in an individual and like when their personality is doing something different. And sometimes they sound really different. And sometimes oh, yeah, their eyes look different. They can completely alter, they can alter even like, habits like there have been people who have been known in different identities to be smokers to Mm -hmm. be alcoholics to Mm -hmm. um you know there was even one woman and i can't like back this up 100 percent, but i remember a professor talking about a woman who had dissociative identity disorder and one of her personalities was pregnant whoa yeah stuff like that happens and so you know if that is valid yeah so there's these like there's these case examples where people are very like they're their consciousness is there, but they're very much like not themselves. And mm. like we can note that it's happening, but we don't fully understand the why or the how of right. it happening. Right? right. And so, but what I also don't want to say is that it's all just mental disorders because exactly. like I know for a fact, there are psychiatrists who have psychiatry degrees who are Christians who 100% believe in the existence of demons and their effect on people's personality. Sure. So like I also, I don't, I don't want it to seem like I'm trying to like downplay people's intelligence or something i don't want it to come across that way but yeah yeah so josh a while ago in the you have permission facebook group private to us patrons i posted about this essentially like demon skepticism oh yeah and it actually kicked off that very very helpful podcast episode that dan coke did um Mm -hmm. but so i posted the question and i got one response that has kind of haunted me ever since pardon the pun Mm. haunting but all he said all, all the commenter said was, yeah, because you're in America, come over here to Africa and you'll see them all over. Mm. Mm. What? I don't, I don't know what to do with that. Cause again, like um, I would like to meet someone where they're at and hear their stories and learn about their experiences before I write them off as crazy or stupid or anything, which I don't mm-hmm. want to do anyway. But so when somebody says like, come here to Africa and you'll experience real demonic presence. So this goes back to like my thought earlier. Like I think demonic presence is a real thing, but I think they are abstract concepts and not personified beings. I think that that is a very real thing. Like I think that like the oppression, the spiritual climate in Africa and some other countries, I think that's completely real. Mm. But I do not think they are personified beings. Mm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I guess, like, I guess this is where I do agree with you, Emily, that I think that these, these spiritual forces do take form in us and like in our communities and in the way we act sure. towards people, like but on we can their call own, certain behavior a... like demonic, but I don't think that that means that there's a personified spiritual being that we can't perceive that is like pulling the strings on our reality. So thank you very much for this beautiful segue because I assigned <laughs> you a homework assignment. Uh, and <laughs> so, and I... And I could have chosen many other things to have you watch. Um, like me personally, I love the show Supernatural. I am a diehard <laughs> Supernatural okay. fan. And not because of okay. like the spiritual. It's just the show itself. I just love it. Um, but I've started watching the show Lucifer um, for a while now. And once we were talking about the apocalypse and we... We're kind of entering the spiritual forces realm a little bit. And I think I had talked about zombies at one point, too. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And so it made me think about, oh, my gosh, what about 
angels and demons and Lucifer and, you know, that whole bit. So I signed um, you two an episode of Lucifer to watch. And it's the second episode in season one. Um, and it's entitled uh, Sit, Stay, Good Satan or Good Devil. Um, and in this episode, just a quick little snapshot for those who have not seen it or don't care to watch it. Um, Lucifer, who is this gentleman who lives in Los Angeles, um, is walking through the streets and there's a bullhorn preacher guy and he shows this gentleman his true face. He Lucifer shows his demon face, so to speak. Um, and the guy freaks out, you know, and no one else saw it, just him. And th- that was particularly the reason why I assigned that episode. And I wanted mm. to see where you would take it. Again, very open-ended. What did you think of the episode? What did you think about that scene in particular? Steven, I know you said you had like a whole page of notes, so I am very intrigued to hear what you have to say. It's half a page, okay? But (laughs) thank you so much for bringing up that scene specifically, because that's like four lines of my notes here. So the street preacher scene, as I called it, I, oh my gosh. Okay, so you, you arrive on the scene it's kind of this top-down view, and he's holding a sign saying, the devil walks among us. Mm-hmm. And the guy's mm-hmm. preaching through a bullhorn, or like a mic like taped up to his chest, you know? And Lucifer just starts engaging with him with this like super funny, like it's a funny show. I will give Lucifer credit for that. The, the way they write the dialogue is very good. Sure. So Lucifer just gets in this like back and forth with this guy, and uh, the guy walks up, and he's like, what's your problem, man? Like he drops the persona um, just with him, but he's trying to act it out. And Lucifer's like, Oh wow, you're here for the tips. It's about performance. And what he tells the guy is what I hate more than anything is a liar or a charlatan or someone who doesn't believe what they say. And so that line stuck out with me because, mm. you know, giving, giving Lucifer Satan a voice and saying what he actually hates is, charlatanism and lying was so it was so surprising to me i was like wait i thought he was the father of lies and like the prince of darkness and all these things and yet this character is allowed to say i actually hate it when people are two-faced about it like you're only here for the money preaching against me and that's what i hate the most and he he talks about how helping people reveal their truest desires like there's there's a motif through the show where he makes like really intense eye contact and there's like there's sound effects and music implying that there's something like mental i did like mental dueling happening between him and his subject It's interesting huh and all of a sudden Mm, his subject is like wait what are you doing to my head you're making me confess things that i didn't want to confess but what he's drawing out of them is truth and it was so perplexing to me Mm. why Um, as a character Say more. No, I see what you're getting at, because like if he's supposed to be the father of lies, then like why is he trying to like get people to speak their truth about what they actually want? Right. Yeah, that is an interesting one. Like if you're taught that it's Lucifer and Satan's voice coming from the snake that deceives Eve and Adam, all he does is lie. And that's and even Paul talks about him being the father of lies and and uh, it appears as an angel of light. Which is also, I'll I'll give credit to the show as well, like the fact that they make him like a very, very attractive British man. (laughs) Oh, yes. That was partially why Uh, I started the show. This is powerful for sure. (laughs) 
<laughs> what do you think of it, Emily? I'm curious what your thoughts were. Because you like the show because it's a show. Oh, yes. But like, what do you think about like the theology of it? Like, how does it how does it hold up? For I you? think it gives people a lot to think about because of the fact that it's not just falling into the stereotypes, because even Lucifer says himself, like, I don't know why they give me these names. You know, mm. like he you see throughout the show his struggles with his father, God. You see his struggles with his siblings who are angels. Um and I think it's just a really interesting way for people to think about. I want to I kind of want to push boundaries a bit and say it. I think it makes people think about just how they view the world in general. You know, mm-hmm. do we just live into these stereotypes? Do we just take what we hear and go with it or do we actually mm-hmm. take the time to discern and to actually formulate for ourselves? And that was why I was drawn to the show and I'm continuing to watch it is because you see this man who, yes, is Lucifer, but you ultimately see a man who is struggling with his inner demon. Like he is struggling Mm. with this force within him that keeps telling him, like, I am supposedly the root of all evil when I don't tell people to do these things. Like you hear multiple episodes. I didn't tell this person to murder someone. Like I don't encourage Mm. people to do these things, but they want to blame me for everything. And that's one of the things that he hates as well, is Mm. being the root of everyone's supposed evil, because he doesn't encourage that. Yeah. And that goes back to his hatred of lying. It's like, how dare you accuse me of being the accuser, as it were, capital A accuser? Like, how dare you pin this on me? Like, even in the street uh, preacher scene, it's nice. The street preacher comes up to him and is like, the devil walks among us. Don't you see him? And Lucifer's like, man, every day in the mirror. And yeah, he's like, yes, yeah, yeah that a was guy a funny that line. gets it, right? And he starts saying the devil. And then <laughs> Lucifer is like, it is not done with you yet. And they get like really close up face to face. Another line that stuck out in this scene was when uh, Lucifer says, well, don't give me credit for that. You humans do enough on your own. Right. See? That was the that that was the one. I was like, "Oh, they are making a theological statement." Yeah, they were. What did you Josh, think, Josh? What were your I want to hear about you. Yeah. So I really like that angle because I, if if we're going to talk about like biblical interpretation, I think it's very reasonable to come away from the text with these like personification stories um, that we find sprinkled throughout Scripture and come to the conclusion that what is being talked about in the Bible as um, Satan or the accuser or like these spiritual forces that seem to be working against us have also been articulated in psychology as like the shadow, like Jung talks about the shadow self or um, Freud kind of gets at that with the unconscious. um, But like the idea that like you're basically working against yourself and that there's something inside of you that's like self-deprecating enough that it's like causing you more harm than anything else is in this world. Right. Mm. Mm. And but I think the show is also getting at the the aspect of desires that like often like either we want what we can't have or the, we're like mixing up the object of desire with the object cause of desire stuff like that. Mm. I just I really liked that line too, Stephen, because I think that you can make sense of it from a Christian worldview that you are your own worst enemy and that mm-hmm. you Ooh. you have control over yourself like i think that we have this mindset of like i'm being tempted by like things that are outside of me but like realistically like i have the power to shape my own thoughts sure. and literally change my cognition that's a good angle else. on it 
Yeah. Well, so you bring up a good point because I'm thinking about the Lord's Prayer, the line, lead us not into temptation. It's not referring to the outside forces of temptation, but inner, like our control of being tempted. Mm. So, Jesus, so Jesus guiding us. Yeah, but the next line is deliver us from the evil one. It depends on what how you read it. Okay. Does it depend on the translation? Yes. Okay. Hey. Yeah. Talk talk me through that then. Like, what does the Greek look like? Oh, here, let me pull it up so yeah, I can Yeah, can you actually... also speak to, like, some of the words that are used in the Bible? Like, I know that there's for sure at least two different words when the Bible's depicting Satan or sure. the devil. But I don't know much about, like, the, the words for demons and stuff and, like, some of the sure. context around those words. Yeah, okay. well, and see, and, that, and that's exactly where... I I can see how Satan as a being or a personality is a different category than discussing demons as their mm-hmm. own personalities. True. Though, when you get Jesus saying, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. And, okay, maybe you guys can clear this up for me too, because I've always learned, I've always heard that like a third of the angels came with Satan. Mm. Where does that, that come from, Stephen? I don't know where it comes from. I don't think it's in the Bible, though. My hunch it's, says it's not actually found in the Bible. I've heard the, the textual evidence for that being this verse in Revelation about the dragon sweeping the stars in the sky and taking a third of them. Mm. Okay. It's, it's, this one, it's this one proof text in Revelation that's like talking about the dragon's influence on the world. And so like this kind of goes back to like how you read the genres of the Bible, like whether or not also, I feel like that's kind of a competing view with the futurist view of Revelation. Like, if Revelation's talking about the future, how is it also talking about the past, the far pre-time past where Satan yeah. fell from heaven and took a third of the angels? Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also heard that the Book of Enoch has influenced quite a bit of the Judeo-Christian oh, yes. view of oh, yes. demons and angels. Sure. Oh, the Book of Enoch. But I don't think it talks about the fall in there, if I'm remembering correctly. Okay. Okay. So to start with the Greek word for demon, there are several that are used throughout ancient texts, um, spiritual texts. Um, So one is daimonion or daimonio, which is it can reference to either a demon, a goblin, or a hob, which is another kind of evil spirit. Um, and then the other one is daimonias, which is demon or fiend. Mm, okay. So okay, I'm I'm curious about the end or that the ending line of that Lord's Prayer passage: "Deliver us from evil or evil one." Like, okay. What's, what's the root of that? Let me look at the Greek for that one, and then we can. Okay. One thing I remember from studying Revelation too is that um, there's this passage I preached on this actually, like I did like some research on this, and oh. in the the letter to Smyrna in the beginning part of Revelation, mm. it refers to Satan and the devil, and it like uses two different Greek words. Mm. And mm-hmm. you could make oh. an argument that like they're talking about the same figure or um, spiritual force, but it uses uh, Satanos and also Diabolos, if I'm mm-hmm. remembering correctly. Um, and yeah, yeah, does that sound right? Does let that me, sound Greek, Emily? Let me. You can fact check me. Yeah. Yeah, please we're making Emily like um, furiously flip through books. But and the uh, the word for Satan in the Greek is more similar to the words that are used for Satan in the Old Testament that mean the accuser. Correct. Yeah. Or but like almost in like a legal sense. Mm-hmm. 
Like they're an attorney making a case against you, sure, which, which is, is a really similar depiction to the book of Job. Definitely that. And it also heavily influences uh, atonement theologies around penal substitution, where like mm. there's a justice system, there are scales of justice to be met. And you have, oh, that's true. Jesus, the defense attorney, and like Satan the accuser. Satan, Satan mm-hmm. the accuser. Mm-hmm. Right, the prosecuting yeah, attorney. Point. So for right. that is really similar for Diablos. Um, if the article is attached to the word, then it's referring to the slanderer, or obvious, or usually paired to be translated as the devil. Um, mm-hmm. but the word itself just means like slanderous. So the oh, article, so the article has to be there in order, and that's where mm, 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 this is where biblical interpretation and and good biblical rhetoric is so important because when people right. read a line and they don't understand the language that it was originally written in or translated from it takes away the meaning and something so simple as True. an article changes the entire meaning of the word even punctuation and and grammatical errors totally change the meaning of the word and i think that's partially where the issue of the existence of angels and demons comes into play because people might read something and they may not understand the original language in which it was written in, and it could be changing the meaning. So for all we know, yeah, maybe Josh was right, and it's just an abstract thought. But over the years, through translation, it has something has changed, something has altered, and people then take it as a personified being. Mm. As much as I think you're right, Emily, I... I want to reiterate again that I think you can be completely intelligent and scholarly and reasonable as a Christian and still believe in like personified spiritual forces. But if you're going like, to use they're out there. But if you're going to use biblical passages to back it up but you're not willing to do the grunt word of actually looking through ancient texts, then I feel no, like you're doing do. a disservice. That's what I'm saying. Right, right, but I'm saying for for those that don't. Okay, yeah, that's fair. But someone could say the same thing about me. Like, I haven't done years of study. Like, I just changed my mind about it. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. But I don't think that that just, I don't think that alone invalidates someone's view, which actually, I think this is a great discussion to have because I think we can probably all agree that this is a secondary issue. Like, this is not a core part of Christianity. Um, Like, C.S. Lewis brings up a point. I think it's in the Screwtape Letters. Um. A good book to reference here, yeah. <laughs> like, he makes this point about, like, the best way... Uh, man, it's... I can't remember. But it's, like, the uncle demon writing to the nephew demon, and he says something along the lines of, like, it's better that they don't think we exist than to be, like, hyper-obsessed with us. But, like, both right. of those are bad options. Sure. It's, like, something yeah. like that. Okay, Stephen. Um, I have your analysis question uh, about the Lord's Prayer. So okay. there are many actually different analyses on that particular line of the Lord's Prayer. So I'm mm-hmm. going to read just a couple of them. Um, so one is, one is the deliverance from the hands of evil. So the hands of Satan, demons, whatever. The other mm-hmm. is just insisting deliverance from our own evil and sin in our lives. So it doesn't actually mm-hmm. reference like hands-on oh. puppet master at work. Which might pair well with don't like do not lead us into temptation. Right. It's like the onus is on us, right? Yeah. Don't don't lead us there. 
and release us from yes. the bents inside ourself that would lead us there. Yeah. Does that make sense? Oh, that makes so much sense. Thank you so much. So Satan as a category, I feel like we've talked about demons. Yeah. We're talking about let's Satan. Let's move on. Mm-hmm. His relationship. Well, actually, do you want to hear the one thing that I still can't make sense of? <gasps> yes. Like, yes. Rationally? Yes. Yes, I do. I was always told growing up that um, ghosts and any paranormal activity or even aliens are yep. just demons impersonating yep. things to like lead us astray. Yep. Oh. So if I don't believe in demons, I don't know what the frick to make sense of with all of those things. Oh, Ooh, and that could I even no be idea. an episode on its but, own. But you, do you believe that paranormal experiences are out there in the world? Well, I was always taught that they were just demons messing with reality. Masquerading. And that's why people experienced them is because sure. they're, they're real, but they're just demons. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Oh. oh uh, so now I don't know. I have no idea. Oh. As someone who loves the idea of aliens and like outer space beings, I do not agree with that at all. I also think because <laughs> I also think because if we believe in a God who creates and is creating, how can we possibly be the only living beings in this entire galaxy? Oh, oh, I have opinions about that, but that's a different discussion. But maybe, but maybe yeah. also the assumption that aliens visiting Earth are necessarily against human flourishing. Like I feel like when you bring mm. up ghosts and poltergeists and sure. gray aliens and lizard people, it's all like working to bring about the demise of human beings. Absolutely. Like they want to take yeah, over the planet. Or, yeah. You know, it's like, I think for someone who believes that any of those stories and experiences are demons, then, then it's natural to assume, yeah, it's all evil. But again, it's, that's kind of assuming an extraterrestrial's morality. Sure. Uh, just by the fact that they don't want us to be the dominant species. Of but that's also anymore. assuming, yeah, that's a good point. So Satan as its own category, uh, this is the one where I'm still a pretty big maybe on demons. And I think I'm honestly a pretty big maybe on demons because of the Satan conversation. Okay. Um, I, oh boy, we've already kind of touched on it, honestly. Like the way Jesus talks about watching Satan fall like lightning. Again, it's back to that, like Jesus talks about it as if it's real in a pre like temporal universe. But in that in that uh, example, though, he's referencing um, the disciples coming back and they're like preaching the gospel to a different village and they like come, they bring the report back to him and he's like, I saw Satan fall. Oh, like he's, sa- he he's talking about it like just now I saw it happen. Oh, yeah, I think I so. I have never read it, it that's that the way. context it's in. Thank you for this gift, Josh. Well, that's what I'm Okay. <laughs> well, so Emily, Emily, what do you think of of Satan as a character? Oh, oh man. I think if I was to start further debate or really good conversation, I would say if we believe in the existence of Jesus, then we have to believe in the existence of Satan. Oh, really? Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Okay, well so like who's Satan then to you? Like what how do you make sense of that? Like, where do you find that in the text? Oh, see, so that's a good point. I don't even know if there really is. And like I said, I think Whoa, this is just okay. to, I think this is just to purely dive into conversation. And so, okay, so okay, I will I will uh, try to verbalize my thoughts. I'm also processing this with you, Stephen, as well. Um, <laughs> well, see, that's interesting to me because I just lumped Satan in with the demons. Like, oh as, no, like. Because they're just talked about so commonly together. Oh, no. I don't know if we're allowed to do that. If we're allowed? 
<laughs> well, okay, yeah, but the whole mythology behind them, at least the one I was told growing up, was that Satan rebelled against God and because he was like the the head worshiper of heaven, but he wanted to be God and he couldn't, so he rebelled mm. and he convinced a third of the angels to come with him. And so I've oh. just always tied those two together in my head. That is not the okay. version I heard growing up. Really? No. Oh, oh my say gosh. more. Okay. Lucifer was one of the many archangels um, in heaven, and Lucifer was deemed as God's favorite. And when God created humanity, Lucifer thought that he was being replaced with something less than. He wouldn't even care. From my understanding, Lucifer wouldn't even care if like the other angels were considered favorites. Lucifer didn't like the fact that a being made from God from such horrible elements, we falter, we are not perfect, that we could replace Mm. something so perfect and viewed as perfect, um, that he actually was causing fights, per se. And again, this is very like layman terms, but that Lucifer Mm -hmm. started a revolution and lost. And his consequence was he had to, he was kicked out of heaven like no longer welcomed in the kingdom of heaven where mm. does that story come is it paradise i was lost? just gonna ask that i don't even know I don't, I don't think that's in the text at all i mean i'm not I, meaning that to insult you at all but right like, i don't like see I said, that anywhere that, no that's what i'm saying that's what i've heard growing up yeah i think mm. it might be paradise lost or dante's inferno somewhere where the the story is recounted because i've heard that story too emily now that you're recounting it well i guess what i would bring up too is that the the part of me that feels open to the idea of the existence of angels is the fact that I think that there's multiple points in scripture that affirm the idea that God has this like divine counsel. Genesis talks about this Mm -hmm. a lot. Almost like God is like the head director of these other spiritual beings. Sure. And that the serpent or like the Satan accuser character seems to be one of them. Yeah. This comes down to something I have recently learned from Pete ends on the Bible for normal people podcast. Oh yeah. Yeah. And he talks about how we might get it wrong when we assume that Israel was a monotheistic culture. He actually calls it something along the lines, I think it's called monolatry, which recognizes the fact that other gods exist, but that Yahweh is chief creator, sustainer among them. Mm. I've also heard it described as henotheism, but I could be mixing up those terms too. I might not have that completely correct. Right. Yeah, so I think the divine counsel aspect is pretty powerful. I've also been, so the reason, oh man, you guys, this is a whole, okay. So the reason that I am just a weird maybe on spiritual realm in general, and especially because of Satan, is when it comes to atonement theology, I feel like I have done my work to deconstruct myself out of believing that penal substitution is the way it went. And being more convinced of what is now called Christus Victor, which I have recently learned essentially didn't have a term until other atonement theologies became prevalent. Like, I guess for Mm. the first hundred so, like hundreds of years of the early church, Christus Victor and even the idea of atonement theology wasn't really a question in anyone's mind. It was just how it was. But so Christus Victor is presented as Christ came to earth to show us the way like the capital w way right and 
it was necessary and it was inevitable that he would die because of the way humans become jealous and become threatened over our natural power structures that we build for ourselves. So we, we crucify the heretic who's going against our Jewish custom because he's preaching a new way and he's reinterpreting the laws for us at the same time claiming to fulfill them. So as I understand Chris's victor, people will say Christ had to die and resurrect to essentially conquer death. And when they say conquer death, it's like capital D death. And we also get imagery from very powerful works of art where Jesus has like a foot on earth and a foot in the underworld. And he's like, he's ushering Adam by the hand out of Hades, whatever, whatever the imagery is there, right? He's like, he's reclaiming what was lost to death by ushering them out and welcoming, welcoming them into paradise. So dealing with an atonement theology like that, I think like I'm, I'm actually kind of moved by the idea of Jesus actually having to do some spiritual conquering work like that. And whether you call it capital D death or death gets a name like Satan or Lucifer or Beelzebub or old scratch. I think it was inevitable that Satan would always lose given the story that Emily just laid out for us. But that's, that's why I think Satan as a character might be compelling enough in our readings of the old and new Testament to actually suggest that he is real and needed mm. defeating. Mm, mm-hmm. That was a lot. What do you think? Do you agree with that, Emily? Yeah. What do you think about that? I, I, I would say I agree, but I don't know. Something just isn't sitting right with that though, for some reason. Okay. And I can't quite I can't quite put mm. my finger on it though. Can I can I ask you guys about another Yes. Oh please, yeah. So I've been I've I've dug into a couple episodes of podcasts like on um The Pastor with No Answers and Bad Christian that have a whole nother lens to view the vibe the Bible. And essentially that is the fallen angel angle and trying to deal with Genesis six in a real way, like Nephilim, mm. giants, fallen angels, procreating with human women. And while I think it's really easy to hear stories and arguments from that side of biblical interpretation, like, oh man, you, you get how crazy that sounds, right? Because it so mm-hmm. easily devolves into conspiracy thinking and people are mm-hmm. trying to mm-hmm. prove or disprove the existence of like elongated skulls and bones that they're finding in different places of the world. It's like, it's so weird. It's so weird. Right. But the theological argument is essentially the fallen angels being led by Satan actually did descend to the earth and they did procreate. And the reason the flood was like a very real necessary component was that God had to like, was doing the work to actually purge the earth of such a, like a decrepit, uh, bastardization of his creation, right? As angels mingled right. with humans and created something else. And given that angle to things, this also opens you up to the concept of like lizard people and aliens and men in black. And like, I get how weird it sounds. Do you like that hypothesis, Stephen? Is that why you bring it up? Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure I like that hypothesis. I think because that's the hypothesis I was brought up with. It's so, it's so foreign to me that. Mm. 
I, I really don't know what to do with it, but the, it's another place where I find the conversation about Satan in particular and other fallen angels as a secondary issue. That's where, that's where I find the idea compelling, and that's where I actually see right the... Well, this is kind of what mm. I was going to bring up earlier, that like I think this is a great example of a topic that is a secondary issue. Sure. Yeah. Uh, that can like help us see... Like a where we agree on things, and b like where it's okay to disagree, and even have different interpretations about the Bible. Like I, I would like to reiterate, reiterate for like the third or fourth time. Please, that I don't think that the people who are reading the Bible and coming to different conclusions about demons than me are stupid. I don't think that. Right. I think that yes. there are obviously mm-hmm. different viable theological interpretations of these texts that. Sure are pretty ambiguous in some spots. Like I just looked up the title to make sure um, I know what the title is, but there's this book. Um, if anyone like wants to read scholarship on this, there's this book called understanding spiritual warfare Four views. It's written by four different scholarly authors um, that give four very different distinct views on demons mm. and how to understand spiritual warfare. Yeah. And each of those authors responds to the other essays. And I've read books in this series before. I haven't read this specific book, but if you want to read like scholars who think differently on this, it's out there. Yeah, I love that's... books like that too. Oh my gosh, the four views kind of framework mm-hmm. is so powerful to dig into because mm-hmm. it's going to be really easy mm-hmm. to flip to the guy who you know you agree with, but then realize yep. that there are three other views in the same binding and you're like, I would be doing him a disservice or her. I shouldn't <laughs> I shouldn't assume gender there, but like mm-hmm. I I should I shouldn't do the scholar I would agree with a disservice by ignoring his sure. possibly opponents or whatever. Like, Oh man, I, I think right. that's very, thank you I for agree. that recommendation, Josh. Um, yeah. So coming back to the show, Lucifer, uh, there's, there were a couple lines that I really liked. Oh, and sure. yeah. One is, one is toward the beginning where Lucifer's brother, which I believe is Michael, the archangel, if I got that wrong, Emily, you can fact check me because you've watched more of the show. Mm-hmm. But an angel shows up and he's like, you should come back to hell, man. Like, that's your domain. You're the Lord of hell. And so, first of all, I guess like the Lord of hell language was also one of those big old question mark in my head when I heard it. Because I've always heard hell framed as like the consuming fire prison for which demons and Satan will be cast at the end of days, which might be a whole like a hell conversation between the three of us might be really interesting because I think if hell mm-hmm. does exist, I think the only reason for hell to exist would probably be as the spiritual detaining and destruction ground for creatures like demons and Satan. I don't think humans go to hell. <laughs> so there's something. Mm. No, but, you're right though. Those two topics are really intertwined. Correct. Especially yeah, so, in the mythology. So Michael, his brother in the show, is like, hey, you should come back to hell. You're the Lord of hell. Like, dad wants you back, is what he says. And Lucifer fires back, well, tell dad I left hell because I was tired of being a part in his big play. <laughs> and I was like, wait, a pl- like, because that's smacked of predestination you- to me. Like, the script is written. I'm tired of, like, being on stage and having to act all of this out. I want to do my own I thing. I wonder if they were referencing Martin Luther. Oh. Because Martin Luther believed that um, God, or that Satan was just God masquerading because of predetermination. and um, Oh. Like, if, if Lucifer is an agent of God and God is causing things to happen, then therefore Lucifer is just like a mask of God. Wowzers. Which, okay, 
Oh, oh my gosh, Josh. But that's just Luther's take. That's not what I believe. That is definitely a Luther thing. Also, I wanted to point out, thinking about Hindu trilogy, not trilogy, wow, Hindu trin- trinity, like they have the destroyer god amongst and in the same godhead as the creator god and the sustainer god. Mm-hmm. Wow. Giving Satan just like, this is a mask of God. That's interesting. Yeah, it's an interesting road to go down. So the other line I wanted to bring up from the show was uh, in the street scene at the end when they pit the two criminals against each other. Uh, oh, yeah. Satan or Lucifer says, both of you have committed terrible acts, both worthy of punishment. However, you will not receive said punishment when you die. It's my fault, really. Sorry about that. Mm. Oh, which for me was like, wait. Yeah, the the remorseful Satan, I think that would be the most interesting part of that show to me is like the fact right. that Lucifer seems to change because of his effect on humanity. And you you do see that unfold definitely throughout the show. And it's so uh, interesting. Well, in 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 that one line he's making a nod to I got Jesus killed, and actually that's going to provide enough forgiveness for you to not be punished for the acts you commit. Like, it smacked very much of universalism to me, like Christian universalism oh, that is interesting. as a yeah. salvation project. Wowzers. I didn't think about that. Whoa. It's, uh, so that was wild. I guess to get closer to wrapping up, I had a question about angels then as a separate... Uh, we, we, could, we could put a pin in this and come back to it next episode, but angels as a separate category... Sure. What what do you guys do with the fact that some angels are given specific names like Gabriel and Michael? What do you mean? Like, why? I don't know why that's a significant question. I don't see what you're saying. So if they're given names, like the way us as humans understand names is that we're, we're attaching a label to a creature or like something mm-hmm. with a uh-huh. personality. So Josh, maybe I'm misinterpreting your stance. Like if demons don't exist, do angels exist? See, this is where, this is where I delineate a little bit. Okay. I feel like I'm a hard no for the demons and I'm... I'm open to the angels. I don't. Okay. I don't have a hard stance on that. Yeah, because I I see them mostly as like messenger figures, especially in the Old Testament, mm-hmm. or even uh, appearing to the Virgin Mary. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or there's the angels like ministering to Jesus. Yeah. Like that's depicted as a real event. It is. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, the fact that they're given specific names and they're named multiple times mm-hmm. is is also compelling to me, at least as an argument from the text. I think the other thing to remember here uh, is that, like, even if they're depicting things as real events, like in a historical, biographical genre like the Gospels, which is different from, like, the Book of Daniel or Revelation, um, it's still good to keep in mind that they're being written to a specific audience at a specific time and place who probably believed in the demons and angels. Like, those are probably just a given. Like, they probably weren't, like debating this like we are right. you know sure. what i mean yeah and okay. so i think it's important to remember that they're speaking to a specific context to people with a specific language and framework about the world and the spiritual world and they're trying to make statements beyond that not just like wow we're gonna put yeah. this in the bible to make sure future generations get it remember to believe in this yeah yeah wow i will add and i'm gonna double check to make sure but if i remember correctly Ah, yes. Okay. So if you look at all the names for um, who are considered to be the seven archangels, which are mm-hmm. Michael, Raphael, Gabriel, Uriel, Seraquel, uh, Rigel, and Lucifer, six of those seven, Whoa. their names end in E-L. Right. Like Ravel. Yes. Where does, where does L come from? From God. The name of God, right? So why okay. is Lucifer's name different? Uh I've always wondered this. 
Right? Right? I don't have an answer. What set Do him you? apart from the other angels? That's what I've always wanted to know. Besides the fact that mm. he was like allegedly lead worshiper and right. God's favorite. And I think that's why like I do believe in the existence of angels is because of their names. Like they are named by God oh. and they have God's name in their name. Mm. Whoa. Sure. And like if you think I've, about it, like our names wow. to some degree could be, you know, if you were to trace back our names, maybe have a root in God. Who knows? Who that is totally that is not like scientific whatsoever. Mm. Um, wow. But like that, like that sets us apart. You know, we were named by God. We were, you know, we were kind of given this, this thing that separates mm. us from, from everything else. Whoa. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay. If anyone out there on the internet <sighs> help us has out. an answer to this, <laughs> please help us out. Send us help a DM. Us. Actually, I do want to say, I do want to say thank you to everyone who has been supporting the show on our social medias and everyone who's given us feedback yeah, about absolutely. the show. Yeah. It's been really, really helpful. So if, if any of you are listening to us, thank you. Truly. We really appreciate it. Also, if you're not already following us out there, we are on Instagram and Twitter at RavelPod. And we're probably going to pose this as a question uh, later this week mm. on our socials. Um, we'd really love to hear what all of you think about this topic too, because we can clearly see that us three have more of an aligning view than a disagreeing view. But we know that there's other Christian opinions out there. And oh, yeah. we need to consider that. We need so, to hear those voices. They are important. So please uh, join the discussion if you'd like to be a part of it. This is good. I wanted to say another personal thank you to my friend Ross, who recommended the RBG pastor on YouTube. It's awesome. Thanks, Ross. Go look at that guy. Also, big thanks to Louis Zong for the use of his song In Full Color off his album Here. Go find his work on Spotify and Bandcamp. It's good music for reading, I've found. It's nice, mm. peaceful music to tuck into a book. Nice. Emily, I don't know where you're going to go from this, but um, will you uh, benedict us out? Sure. <laughs> Is that a verb? I'm probably not using that right. It, it, it'll work. We'll use it. Whether you believe in angels, demons, Satan, archangels, ghosts, schools, goblins, whatever the case may be, we don't have all the answers, and we know you're looking for answers just as much as we are, and we're raveling this together. classic concept? Try the Whiskey Bench podcast. Start with a free pour of our complicated and fascinating world. Followed by an ounce or two of intellectual humility. Add a dash of philosophy, politics, or current events. Zest with fresh, spicy opinions. Garnish with shenanigans. Best served neat. I'm Stephen Torna. I'm Kat Dwyer. And I'm Stephen Henning. 
This is a podcast where we seek to graduate the understanding of our world beyond meme culture. We find that a well-rounded cocktail has a lot in common with good conversation. It's all about balance and complimentary flavors. So join us every week as I present you with a new cocktail recipe paired with wide-ranging conversation. Follow us on social media at WhiskeyBenchPod and subscribe to The Whiskey Bench wherever you get your podcasts. Remember, always drink responsibly and cheers to a fulfilled life with all its beauty. Mm-hmm.